We are uh, coming into this moment. We're going to read our scripture passage for today. It is coming from the book of Acts, chapter 25, verses 13 through 27. Um, Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be opened as we read this passage. God, thank you for this moment that we can join in your word together. King Agrippa informed about Paul. After several days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea to welcome Festus. Since they were staying there for many days, Festus discussed the case against Paul with the king. He said, there is a man whom Felix left in prison. When I was in Jerusalem, the Jewish chief priests and elders brought charges against him and requested a guilty verdict in his case. I told them it is contrary to Roman practice to hand someone over before they have faced their accusers and had the opportunity to offer a defense against the charges. When they came here, I didn't put them off. The very next day, I took my seat in court and ordered that the man be brought before me. When the accusers took the floor, they didn't charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they quibbled with him about their own religion and about some dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive. Since I had no idea how to investigate these matters, I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem to stand trial there on these issues. However, Paul appealed that he be held in custody pending a decision from His Majesty the Emperor, so I ordered that he be held until I could send him to Caesar. Agrippa said to Festus, I want to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, Festus replied, you will hear him. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great fanfare. They entered the auditorium with the military commanders and the city's most prominent men. Festus then ordered that Paul be brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and everyone present with us, you see this man. The entire Jewish community, both here and in Jerusalem, has appealed to me concerning him. They've been calling for his immediate death. I've found that he has done nothing deserving death. When he appealed to his majesty, I decided to send him to Rome. I have nothing definite to write to our Lord Emperor. Therefore, I brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this investigation, I might have something to write. After all, it would be foolish to send a prisoner without specifying the charges against him. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Margarita, for that word. God is good? All the time. God is good? All the time? You do not know how long I have waited to do that. Just being, I think that one of my uh, gift sets is preaching, um, but as a preacher, I like feedback. And so 15 months of preaching into a camera 
It's not cut, was not cutting it for me. It's, it's just not the same energy, and it's not the same kind of sharing in the word. Amen? Because um, even as it's one person preaching or teaching from the word of God, um, us, the people of God, gathering around his word is a, a corporate experience. Amen? It's not just my wisdom I'm imparting on you, but it's the Holy Spirit among us uh, working in our hearts, transforming us, and renewing us. Amen? And so I'm really happy and a long-suffering ache has, has been lifted um, today. As, lo- uh, as much as I loved being a televangelist for 15 months, um, it's not my calling. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm glad for that. And we continue in our Acts series, and um, in thinking about these last few chapters in Acts, Acts goes through chapter 28, we're headed down the home stretch, um, and it's kind of difficult because it seems like things are really repetitive. Paul seems to be on trial for certain things, and he's going from Roman leader to Roman leader to Roman leader, rinse and repeat, maybe some, a lot of repetition. And, and above all of that, like, how do you glean some sort of application? How do you glean some sort of transformative message out of what's happening here? And I want to give a couple of, uh, um, couple of points of advice as you go home and interact with Acts and continue to read even after this. And one of them uh, is to imagine or go back to Jesus' own trial and Jesus' own crucifixion in the Gospels. Like, and see what kind of parallels there are between what Paul is going um, through and what Jesus went through and how the powers that be respond to who Jesus is as a person and as God and, and kind of the reaction or the intensity of emotion, the rage, the anger, the... Uh, the um, kind of the psychology of the crowd, the riot, right? Um, the the group thinking um, that led to Jesus's crucifixion, and you'll see a lot of parallels. I, I imagine you'll see a lot of the same politics, a lot of the same kind of uh, a hidden agenda or uh, motives, ulterior motives, and rage. I mentioned this before. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the rage of society, the anger that would take an innocent person, an innocent man, and want to destroy that person. Why? Why? What's going on underneath where people would want to destroy someone who's offering love, someone who offers miracles and power, and who the people um, are just clamoring to and receiving God's love and healing? What is that anger? Amen. And a second image or a second hint I want to give to you as you interact with Acts is, and I'm losing it in my head. Hopefully it comes really quick. Um, but um, is um, amongst the clamor, imagine a room full of, at a birthday party, for instance, hyperactive children, loud people, and like it's becoming chaotic and the room's getting destroyed and there's a food fight happening and it's loud. And if you're like me and not really good at filtering sounds 
and just kind of lose my head when things are chaotic around me, um, one can get overwhelmed. And now imagine out of this scene, a figure slowly taking shape in the center and walking towards you, walking towards you. And the closer that figure comes, the more distinct the features are of, the fa- of that figure, the more clear. And also as that figure comes closer to you, your mind's eye and your eyes become more focused on that. And even your ears, like the sound, the distractions, the noise, the white noise slowly fading away. And all you hear is peacefulness, peacefulness. And I think a lot of us have gone through difficult times, right? Our, our nation has gone through difficult times. Our globe has gone through, our world has gone through difficult times. And sometimes there's a lot of noise, right? There's a lot of noise in the media. There's a lot, I've been a lot of noise in the news. There's been a lot of political noise and, you know, disruption. And we don't know where we stand or who, where that person stands or, ah, <laughs> like it seems like chaos or who to believe, who to trust, what information is true and right out there. And in the midst of this, Jesus is the figure that comes forth. Jesus is the figure that is coming closer to us, drawing close to us, and taking shape, and to focus on Jesus amidst the noise, amidst the chaos. Um, And then Jesus saying, I know, I understand what you've been going through. I see you. I feel you. And as I have suffered, I know everything that you've gone through. I see. I feel. And I'm here with you. Come. Come to me. Let me embrace you. Let me hold you. Amen? We can all go home now. That'll preach. Uh, usually I have my laptop up here. Oh, by the way, we just, our family just came from a vacation in Hawaii. So we came back yesterday morning at 8 a.m. So it was a red-eye flight. And then my kids had soccer games, so I was there. So if I seemed a little disheveled and tired, um... You're like, boo-hoo, Dave. You have spent a week in Hawaii. Oh, you're tired. Sorry about that. Uh, But it was a good time. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of pent-up energy in people in our country, right? People want to get out. People want to travel. People want to get out in the sun. And so just think of that in Hawaii. (laughs) That's what's happening in Hawaii right now Um, as they've slowly been opening up to... uh, tourists. Um, it's, it's been a good thing, but a lot of long lines just for like your favorite thing. Like, oh, I want some uh, Matsumoto's shave ice. It's like the, the line is going down the road and you're like, ah, everywhere. You want to go all of the things that you're like, even the hidden, hidden things off the beaten path, like 
the, the remote poke stand you thought no one knew about is like lines coming out of it. You're like, what? This was my poke stop. This is where I got pokey. This is like only the locals know it. But no, there's a big old line. Like ever since the internet and ever since, um, I don't know, Google reviews or Google ads or what is that other thing called? The red thing with the white. Yelp, there we go. Even because, because of Yelp, like everyone knows everything. Um, but anyways, um, a lot of waiting in line. But I think it's, it's an analogy to us, right? How many of you feel like you've been waiting? Like you've been in limbo, pausing, right? Just waiting. What's going to happen next? When am I, you know, when is like in person going to happen? When are we going to be able to take off these masks for God's sakes? When are my kids going to be out of my house? You know, like when, when, when? Um, just the anticipation. When will I feel safe again? You know? When will justice come? When this, when that? And so there's been a lot of lines, it feels like, a lot of waiting around. And I think Jesus has a lot to say uh, for us in that situation. Um, Kicking the can down the road. You guys know what that phrase is? Kicking the can down the road? Imagine a kid kicking an aluminum can down the road. And that's what I see um, happening in this, these last couple of chapters we've been dealing in Acts is, here is this problem. And the problem is the Apostle Paul, who is stirring up the Jewish religious institution, right? The Jewish religious leaders are frustrated with him so much that twice they've plotted to assassinate him, right? Like, when he goes to that, when he travels to that building, we're, we are going to intercept him, we're going to ambush him, and we're going to take him out. Right? These are Jewish, these are religious leaders wanting to secretly assassinate someone. Right? The anger, once again, the anger that that takes to want to get rid of someone, to feel that you're so threatened, that this person threatens your whatever it is, your position, your influence, your your convictions about your religion, they want to get rid of Paul because he's talking about this Jesus guy. We thought we got rid of Jesus, and here it is again. Get rid of him. Right? So there's, there's that. And, and then on the flip side, the Roman authorities are like, I don't know why they want to get rid of this guy. Like, it has something to do with their... They're squabbling about their, their religion, their theology, their doctrine, and some guy named Jesus and whether he came back to life or not. But he hasn't broken any rules. And on top of that, Paul is a Roman citizen. And not just the kind of Roman citizen that buys his citizenship like some of us have. He's like naturalized Roman citizen, like the real deal. And so it's illegal to just you know, convict, indict a Roman citizen and punish a Roman citizen. And so they don't want to deal with that. And there's a lot of politics going on, right? These governors that are over Jerusalem um, have this pressure to keep order, 
right? Because their bosses, the Roman bosses above them, are concerned about kind of a growing Jewish, like, rebellion, right? And ultimately, uh, the Jewish people will, will throw out the Romans from Jerusalem. And so there's this growing kind of rebe- rebellious tension. And so if there's any kind of situation, a riot or whatever, they'll be blamed. Like, you've lost control of the city. You haven't done your job. So they have that tension. So they, they have a motivation. They have an agenda to keep the Jewish people appeased, right? The powers that be appeased. But also, they're not going to kill Paul because he's a Roman citizen. So there's this tension. And so what you see as he goes from leader, from governor to, you know, lieutenant to different people is that they are just kicking the can down the road kicking the can down the road, which means you're procrastinating. You're just letting it go on so that someone down the road can deal with it because you don't want to be the one to deal with it. Are you with me, church? Uh, So picking up from last week's interrogation with Felix, not Festus here, but with Felix, Felix ends up leaving Paul in jail for two years. Can you imagine that? And two years is the maximum time under law that he can incarcerate Paul before sentencing him or setting him free. So you hear on the TV shows, the detective TV shows, like, I have 24 hours to hold him before I have to right, charge him, right? So, oh, we got to do this in 24 hours. It's like that, except two years, right? We can hold him for two years, Um, before we have to do something about it. So Felix ends up leaving Paul in jail for two years. And there are two reasons for this, and I've mentioned a couple of reasons, but he's trying to squeeze money, the scripture says, out of Paul. Hey, give me money and I'll set you free, right? And Paul uh, apparently doesn't comply because Paul stays in jail for two years. And secondly, it says that Felix is keeping Paul in prison for fear of the Jews. He doesn't want to set Paul free as this may incite a riot. Um, And no governor wanted a riot on their hands for fear the Roman rulers above them would put blame on them for losing control. So in order to play politics and not draw the ire from either side, Felix simply kicks the can down the road, (laughs) kicks the can down the road, leaving his office uh, so he ends up leaving office so that someone else can deal with Paul. Conveniently, after the two years, Felix leaves office. <laughs> um, and the responsibility goes to whoever succeeds him. Um, and this dilemma is off his hands. But what is the result? Think about it. What is the result of this indecision by Felix? Right? I feel like I'm a very indecisive person. And quite frankly, I don't like taking responsibility for things that I don't need to take responsibility for. So I'm a kick the can down the road type of person. Um, I am a procrastinator. How many of you are procrastinators? Yes, right? uh, Janice was at a medical conference and there was a, she let me listen to one of her lectures on ADHD, adult ADHD and kids ADHD. I'm interested because of obvious reasons and for myself. 
<laughs> and for myself, for myself. Um, but uh, they're talking about underdeveloped prefrontal cortex, right? Uh, you know, disrupts kind of executive functioning and so, and procrastination is one of like the huge things and I'm like, I've never start. when I was in college, I never started a paper early. It's like, it was always an all-nighter. It was always at the last minute. I got them in on time, but it was always procrastinating. Um, and so you'll learn that about me if you stay in this church. Um, but I'm working through it. God is redeeming me. Anyways, the point is procrastination, not wanting to deal with what's in front of you because for fear of responsibility or fear of conflict or fear of whatever, whatever is happening. Um, people are kicking the can down the road. But the result, what is the consequence of this? We have, to, we have to realize that there's no, this isn't an innocent like personality trait, you know, personality dysfunction, right? People are really affected by our indecision, our passiveness, right? Kicking the can down the road, our complicity, right? Not speaking up for truth when we should speak up for truth, right? We think that's innocent. We think that nothing is happening, that people aren't hurt, right? It's a victimless crime, but actually people are affected because we may be waiting in line for shave ice, but some people are waiting in line for justice. Some people have been waiting in line for freedom. Some people have been waiting in line all of their lives for healing, to be seen, for their voices to be heard, right? And Paul, Paul must be a very patient person, right? Because he's been in he has to be in jail for two years, even after, right, his case has been heard just because of someone's indecision and not wanting to deal with his issue He's in jail for two years, in chains for two years. Think about that. Right? Think about the injustice of that. Think about how frustrated you are and what you feel is someone do something, right? Do something. And as a church, I think many people look to the church, to the followers of Jesus. If anyone should do something, if anyone should speak up for on our behalf, if anyone should advocate for us as we're suffering, as we feel in prison, as we're waiting, it should be the people of God, amen? Yes. We're waiting. Someone do something. Someone say something. Someone stand for the truth. Someone speak up, amen? Because people are suffering, and it matters. It matters. But the can keeps getting kicked down the road because people are playing politics, people are afraid for their own positions, etc., etc. We can't relate to that in our country, right? No one's doing that in our country. Whatever side you're on, I don't care. Paul suffers because men in power are out to, one, out to destroy him, and two, 
Men in power are playing politics with his life. None are willing to stand for the truth, even if their conscience tells them that Paul is good and that perhaps this Jesus Christ is the real deal. It doesn't matter because there are other motivations. There's another agenda. Are you with me, church? So we get to our passage. And Felix kicks the can to Festus. And Festus is trying to figure out what to do. He doesn't want to know what to do. He wants to kind of play this out. And so King Agrippa is actually visiting. And he's like a higher, like higher on the hierarchy. And he's visiting and actually... Josephus, the historian, talks about how, yeah, there is growing tension among the Jews resisting the Romans. So he's coming to Jerusalem. Agrippa is making this trip to Jerusalem to, um, you know, settle things down, see what's up, bring down the hand, the iron hand. And uh, so he decides to come down and hear the story about this Paul fella and, and what's going on. Festus explains the situation. What would you do? What would you do? And finally, Agrippa's like, I want to sit in on the trial. I want to see what's going on. He brings his wife, Bernice, with him. Is it Bernice? Uh, Bernice. My scripture is not up. Um, There we go. Um, King Agrippa comes, and there's this big fanfare, right? Obviously, Paul is this lightning rod. No one knows what to do with them, but people are very fascinated and interested. And it becomes this kind of like red carpet affair, right? Bernice and Agrippa come down, and it says that there's this, this, this fanfare. Like, everyone is excited about them coming. And basically, um, they, he, they see, uh, he tells the story of what's going on with Paul. And Agrippa says, hey, let's take this to Jerusalem. Let's take this to the Supreme Court. Let's go to Jerusalem, make this even a bigger deal. But what Paul has done is, man, he's tired of waiting. And he's like, I'm not interested in going to Jerusalem because I'm going to get killed there, <laughs> right? The, the church leaders, the temple leaders are going to, are conspiring to kill me and assassinate me. That's not a good ending for me. He's still a Roman citizen, so he's like, I'm going to appeal to Caesar. Right? So that's how it ends. It's like, oh, we got to take him to Rome because he's appealed to the big man. He's appealed to Caesar. Um, can you, is there the next slide? Or is that to the last slide? Oh, yeah. Go, go back. Go back to the scripture, please. Yeah. Um, Festus, oh. Festus said, King Agrippa and everyone present with us, you see this man, the entire Jewish community, both here and in Jerusalem, has appealed to me concerning him. They've been calling for his immediate death. I found that he has done nothing deserving death. When he appealed to his majesty, I decided to send him to Rome. I have nothing definite to write to your lord emperor. Therefore, I brought him before you, and especially before you, King Agrippa. So that after this investigation, I might have something to write. After all, it would be foolish to send a prisoner without specifying the charges. 
against them. So what you see here, and this is a common thing that people say, that the Roman authorities say when they hear Paul's case is, I find nothing wrong with this man. And remember when Jesus was crucified, Jesus before Pilate, right? Pilate says, what? I find nothing wrong with this man. And it's, it's important for us to know that there's innocent, like Paul and Jesus were innocent, right? <laughs> were innocent, but convicted and killed for different, for whatever, the, way, the ways of the world, the, reason, the, the politics of the world. So I found nothing deserving of death. But also you see Festus trying to shirk responsibility slowly, like, I can't send them to Rome without anything to say. Do you want to write a cover letter for me? Like, you write the letter of introduction, King Agrippa, because you got clout, and I don't know, I'm just a, I'm, I'm not smart. I don't have a PhD like you do, so can you write it? Send it to, send it to Caesar. So he's telling King Agrippa, you write something, because I don't have, I don't even know what charges to bring against him. And, um, so I, I think that's really interesting. Again, this kicking the can down the road, right? Just an inability to see the truth, an inability to stand for justice, an inability to articulate, even if there's a charge to articulate some false charges or whatever, something. And I think, you know, in reflecting on this passage and Paul's imprisonment for two years, I mean, what else has taken a long time, like two years, in our history? Yesterday was June 19, and many people in our country celebrate it as Juneteenth, or Emancipation Day, or Jubilee um, among um, African Americans. What it means is, even though Abraham Lincoln, we know, declared the Emancipation Proclamation, Right earlier, I think it was uh, 1862, Um, it wasn't until 1865 in Texas uh, where the last group of slaves were freed, right? The last group of slaves were freed because just because Abraham Lincoln set it up here, it didn't mean it happened on the ground. There was still institutional racism. And so Texas was like the last place and the last group Uh, was set free. That's why many African-Americans say this is our Independence Day, is June 19th, 1865, which is, it was two plus years after, right? So for two years, even though they were free by law, a lot of slaves were not free, right? They were only free after the fact. And you can imagine, like, you should have told me that two years ago. Like, what was I doing? Right. Give me some back pay. There's no back pay. Right? There are no reparations. Like, again, maybe communication was a little slow back then. But come, come on! Right? And Paul is probably feeling that too. Come on! Like, what am I doing here? And I can't emphasize this enough. We see this throughout Scripture. Justice rolls down. God's justice is coming. He wants a people of justice, a people that are righteousness, 
that are righteous and love those who are less fortunate. Love the foreigner. Love the widow and the orphan. Bring them into our arms. Let those people join us in our family to speak up. That's where God's heart is. It's people's heart that are somewhere else. Amen? It's people's agendas, people's motivations that are somewhere else. And that's why love doesn't happen. That's why justice doesn't happen. That's why division happens. That's why there's so much divisiveness. Because we're all into our own agendas and our own motivations and our own things that are of our own heart and not of God's heart. Amen? And as a church, discipleship means conforming our hearts to God's heart, to Christ's heart. God, I confess. Right? Make me more like you. Make my heart have your heart, the heart of a father. And that's why we're gathered here as a church. We're gathered so we can be renewed and transformed and we can be a witness and a light of transformation in our communities out there because there are hurting, waiting people. Right? And we... The sense of urgency, the urgency is high. We can't sit around. Right? People are sitting in chains. Amen? Speak up. It's not about Agrippa, you know, signing autographs, coming down the red carpet. We're doing this trial, this mock trial. Right? It's about, it's about God's heart. And being still and seeing where is God's heart in all of this. And as we come out of COVID, as we come out and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and there's a little bit of hope, right? Who are the people who have suffered so so much more? Like who are the people, who are our neighbors we can love and touch and lift up and give a helping hand to At Renew, we're renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. That means as God has renewed us and loved us, we want to love our neighbors. We want to renew our neighbors. So that's what I leave us with, um, to remember the Pauls, remember those enslaved, remember those who are in chains and suffering, and speak up, act, move to love with urgency because Jesus first loved us. Let us pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the witness of Paul um, and your people. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart um, have been and will be pleasing to you and that your Holy Spirit will do the 99.999% after this as we go from this place. Amen.